It's uh, great to be here with you this morning. I'm Ben. If I haven't met you yet, my, um, I'm the community pastor here. And uh, this photo that's coming up on the screen right now is a photo of my daughter, Rose. Uh, this is the photo that we took of her when he, we announced her birth about six months ago. And I just can't get enough of this little girl at the moment. Just think I'm going to pop a blood vessel or something. She's so cute. But anyway, um, the reason I put that up on the screen is because uh, I want to share a bit about birth announcements with you. Birth announcements are very popular these days, and I was looking online for some interesting birth announcements. What's even more popular is actually pregnancy announcements. And I wonder if you know what this next photo means, because I didn't at first. I don't know if anyone's smarter than me. Do you know what this photo means? Anyone? Ice, ice baby. Yes, there we go. So that's one thing you can do if you uh, get pregnant sometime soon. You can bank that one. Another one, which is my personal favorite, is this eviction notice. Um, you print it out. You put it on your toddler's cot. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing it if your child's a teenager, though. That might look a little brutal because people think you're kicking them out of the house or something. But anyway, the reason we're talking about this today is because we're looking at the most famous birth announcement in human history. I'm talking about the announcement that the angel made to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. And the reason that we're looking at this passage today is because we're in a series called Christmas Playlist. We've been looking at some of the songs that surrounded uh, Jesus' birth in Luke's gospel. So in our first week, we looked at Mary's song, and then last week, we looked at Zechariah's song, and this week, we're looking at the angel's song to the shepherds, and we're going to be asking the question, how did God come? How did God come? Now, if you've been here with us for many Christmases or you've been a Christian for many years, you may have heard this story about the angels and the shepherd. And if that's you, then let me encourage you to listen even more carefully today because you are more likely than anyone to miss some of the peculiarities and some of the unexpected things in this story that we're meant to get from it. And these things are meant to teach us about who Jesus is and who his favor rests upon. If we don't understand who Jesus is and who his favor rests on, we may miss out on the incredible joy of Christmas. Now, kids, I just want to speak to you for a moment. Kids, who's excited for Christmas? Yeah, lots of kids. And who's excited to get presents? Yes, presents are lots of fun, aren't they? It's just so much joy when we get to open a present. Well, did you know that when God sent Jesus, Jesus was his gift to us. Jesus is like the ultimate present. And when you understand who he is and when you receive him into your life, he can give you a joy that won't just last a few days or weeks or months, but a joy that will last you the rest of your life and into all of eternity. So I want to encourage you to listen in today to what this birth announcement is about. And lastly, I want to speak to you if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here this morning. You may think that there are particular kinds of people that God accepts. I just want to encourage you to listen in because Luke 2 has some surprising news for us. And God may be more accessible to us than you think. So let's open up the passage together. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 15, focusing on verses 8 to 15, and we're going to look at two headings, an unexpected king and an unexpected people. First, an unexpected king. 
So after Jesus was born, his birth was announced nearby to some shepherds in some fields. And we pick it up in verse 9 where it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So this angel literally brings what we would call a gospel. He brings a gospel. He brings good news to these shepherds. And what is this gospel? What is the news? Well, we see it in verse 11, where the angel says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's just unpack that verse a little bit more carefully so we really take in what this angel is saying. First of all, the angel says, today in the town of David. Now, when he mentions the name David, it's meant to take us back to the promise that David received in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He was told that a king would come from his descendants, a king whose throne would never cease, a king whose kingdom would never end. And then this town of David, Bethlehem, it received an incredible promise itself. In Micah, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, this must have puzzled the Jews when they first heard this prophecy from Micah that this little insignificant town would be the one where the promised king of David would come from. It's a bit like saying the ruler would come from New South Wales or something. They've lost origin so many times, you just can't imagine. Okay, sorry, that's not very nice on Christmas. We love, we love the blue supporters here as well. Um, anyway, they came from, this, this savior was meant to come from the town of Bethlehem. And then they continue on, the news says, a savior has been born to you. Jesus' name literally means Yahweh saves. That's the name of the God of Israel. God saves. He is the savior. And he, notice that it doesn't say that he's just been born to Mary. He says he's been born to you, to these shepherds. He's been born to God's people. He's been born for our sake. And he's called savior because Israel have been waiting a long time to be saved from their sins and the consequences of their sin. You see, hundreds of years earlier, they'd been uh, thrust into exile. Their nation had been brought to ruins. They'd been exiled from the land. And now in Jesus's time, they're back in the land, but they're still under a pagan power called Rome. Uh, they still feel as if God's judgment is over them. God's presence hasn't returned to the temple. And so they still are waiting for all the great promises from the prophets to be fulfilled, that God would return, that he would rescue them, that he would forgive them for their sins. And the angel is saying to these shepherds that all these promises from hundreds, even thousand years before, are being fulfilled today in the birth of this boy in the town of Bethlehem. It's an incredible thing to, to announce. And then the angel says, he is the Messiah or the Christ. This literally means anointed one. What that means is in the Old Testament, the kings were anointed with oil to set them apart as God's king for God's service. 
And so that's what Jesus has been called. He's called an anointed one. He's a king. He's the king that God had been promising for centuries. And then lastly, the angels called Jesus the Lord. Now, this is probably the most significant claims of all of them. Because Greek-speaking Jews used to use, so the New Testament written in Greek, and this word for Lord is the Greek word kurios. And Greek-speaking Jews would use kurios to talk about God. They'd call God kurios. And notice that in verse 9, if we read that again, how the word Lord was used, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Who's the Lord in verse 9? It's God. And so when Jesus is called the Kurios, the Lord, the angel is making an incredible claim. He is saying that this baby is God in the flesh, that this child is the Lord, is the king of the universe. I love what Alastair Begg, a preacher, says about this verse. He says, the voice that made the cosmos could be heard crying in the cradle. The hands that placed each star in its place grabbed hold of Mary's fingers. Her son was fully human and fully God. In this man, divinity met humanity. This is the incredible wonder right at the heart of the Christmas season. Divinity met humanity in Jesus Christ. We call it the incarnation which literally means made flesh. God took on flesh in the person of Jesus. He became one of us. The author of life wrote himself into the book. The painter painted himself into the picture. The creator became a creature. And this is where we start to grasp the unexpected paradox and wonder of Christmas. Because the announcement of Jesus' birth is at the same time high and exalted. He's called King and Lord and Savior. But it's also lowly and humiliating. Because when you think about who Jesus is, if this is God in the flesh, then this is a humiliating, lowly thing for him to be born. In question 27 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it's a summary of the faith, of the Christian faith in the question and answer format. It says this, wherein did Christ's humiliation consist? Christ's humiliation consisted in his being born. Let's just stop there. The fact that God, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, would stoop so low to be born, to become a creature is humiliating in and of itself. It's a very humble thing for God to submit himself to. Christ's humiliation consisted in his being born and that in a low condition. Jesus was born in a low condition. I mean, look at the rest of the birth announcement. Verse 12 says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Lying in a manger, that was humiliating enough for any human being, let alone God in the flesh. When Prince Louis was born to the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, he was born into wealth and prestige and honor. When God's son was born, he was born to a humble family and placed in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. 
it looks a little bit like something like that on the screen. It's sort of the image that should be in our minds. This is a humiliating thing for anyone, let alone the king of the universe. Why on earth did God choose to come in this way? What is he trying to tell us? God does the unexpected here. No one would have dared to write this about God unless this is what actually happened. It would feel blasphemous to make this up. God chose to come in this way to show us that he is humble and lowly in heart, that he wants to dwell among us, that he wants to make himself accessible to us. Alastair Begg wrote, the God who made you, who gave you your DNA, who woke you up this morning, who has sustained your life, that God in the person of Jesus stepped down into time, making himself accessible. This is incredible. I live a bit further north in Kalanga, and this would be like King Charles leaving Buckingham Palace and going to live in a housing commission in Kalanga just so that he could be close to me. That's, that's a little bit like what this is like. It's, it's still not enough of a comparison. God taking on human flesh and being born in such a low condition was an extremely humbling thing. Jesus is an unexpected king in the sense that he came in such an unexpected way. It's so surprising and it's such good news. If he stooped this low, it means that any of us can access him. Whether we're a humble child, or we're powerless and poverty-stricken, or whether we feel like we've thrown our life away already, any of us can come to God through Jesus. Adam said recently that the door into God's kingdom is down low. Anyone can enter it, but you have to get down low. You have to humble yourself to enter in to the kingdom of God and admit your need and your spiritual bankruptcy to God. Even before the incarnation, God had been telling us this for so many centuries. In Isaiah 66, he says, these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. This is what we discover when we meditate on the unexpected king and the unexpected way in which he came. But the details of Jesus' birth announcement weren't the only unexpected thing here. His audience was as well. And this is what we'll look at next in an unexpected people. The audience for Jesus' birth announcement was a bunch of shepherds. Now to us, that probably sounds like nothing because we hear about it every year. But the shepherds in that time were like a lowly despised class of people. Religious people didn't like them because they were often made unclean through their work, which just meant that they couldn't always participate in religious duties. And they were just looked down upon even by the pagan culture. Um, in Jewish culture, I know that they weren't even allowed to give their testimony in a court of law because they were seen as that untrustworthy that their word was worthless. Okay, so this is how shepherds were viewed in the first century in Israel. And this is who God sent his angels to announce the birth of his royal son to. If you were God, who would you announce the birth of your son to? Who would you send your angels to? Would you send your angels to the Academy Awards to announce it to the Hollywood stars? Or maybe to the leaders of government or the kings and queens of this world? 
When God's son was born, God chose a handful of lowly, despised shepherds to announce this birth to. Most of us don't naturally understand this because most of us would rather gain prestige than give up prestige. We'd rather gain fame and honor than give up fame and honor. I mean, did you know that the number one career option among kids these days is to be a YouTuber? And it's a growing option amongst a lot of older generations as well. We want to be known. We want a place among the rich and famous. But when God came, it's as if he deliberately rejected and spurned the power and wisdom of the world by coming in the way he did and by announcing this gospel to these overlooked lowly shepherds. In his commentary, John Calvin said, If then we desire to come to Christ, let us not be ashamed to follow those whom the Lord, in order to cast down the pride of the world, has taken from among the dung of cattle to be our instructors. The point is God chose to make his royal birth announcement to these men from among the dung of cattle. God's favor rested on these lowly outcast shepherds. And this is what we see in the angel's song. In verse 14, they say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Who did God's favor rest upon in our passage? It was the shepherds. They were favored to hear about this news, about the birth of the Messiah. God's king came in an unexpected way and favors unexpected people. That's the main, that's the bottom line today. God's king came in an unexpected way and favors unexpected people. So how do we respond to this incredible news and this incredible story? Well, first of all, we should rejoice. The angel brought this good news that would cause great joy. The angel announced that the king has come, the savior of the world, God in the flesh, and he has revealed himself to us, church. That is incredible. The fact that we know Jesus, if your faith is in Jesus, the fact that you even trust and believe is an incredible sign of God's favor in your life. It's amazing. Some people might think you're a fool for believing. Some people might think you're plain silly for believing in the incarnation. But Luke 2 teaches us that God has favored us by revealing his son to us and by by declaring peace with us. The angels sang on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. God has declared peace to you. If your faith is in Jesus, God's message to you is peace. He's not at war with you. He's not frowning at you. He's not sick of you. He humiliated himself for your sake. He took on our humanity to redeem it. He entered into our world to draw near to us, lowly creatures. His message is peace. So this Christmas season, be at peace Rest in his love and rejoice in this incredible mercy that he's given to us in his son. 
And if you don't yet know Jesus here this morning, remember that I said earlier that God may be more accessible to you than you think. Can you see what Christmas means in this story? God doesn't ask us to climb a ladder to heaven. He came down to us. God doesn't ask us to impress him. God asks us to humble ourselves before him. God doesn't declare war against his creatures because they rejected him. Instead, he has a message of peace because his beloved son took the punishment our sins deserve at the cross. Will you believe it? Will you believe the good news and join us in the joy of Christmas? This is why Christmas is so joyful to us Christians. In fact, one of our traditions as a church, every Christmas is to join the angel's song and singing, glory to God in the highest. What else could you sing when you understand what God has done for you in Christ and the debts that he has gone to to save you and to love you? Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God in the highest. So how should we respond? We should rejoice. Let your heart be filled with joy this Christmas. And the second thing that we should do is to welcome outsiders. It's the second thing we should do to respond to this. If God reveals himself to unexpected people, like shepherds who were disliked and, uh, and looked down upon in their culture, then we need to make sure we're not turning anyone away from Jesus, especially if they don't fit our stereotype of what a Christ, an ideal Christian looks like. I mean, have you ever heard someone, I've heard this a couple of times before in my life, maybe you've heard it too, someone say to you, oh, this person, they just make such a great Christian. Uh, they're so kind, they're serving people already. You know, if only they were a Christian, they, it'd be perfect, it'd be a perfect fit. Well, Luke 2 teaches the opposite of this in a sense because God appeared to people that the religious despised. God favored people that the religious excluded. We need to be ready to welcome all people so that more people might find life in Jesus. And this afternoon, we have an opportunity to do just that. We're putting on the largest event of our year with the Christmas festival this afternoon. And we have an opportunity to welcome hundreds and hundreds of locals onto our campus to love them, serve them, and welcome them in the name of Christ. This is how we want to respond. We want to rejoice and we want to welcome outsiders. I want to share a story with you about a time where I saw this beautifully married together, the welcoming of someone who was an outsider and the joy that came with it. And I've shared this story multiple times. It's a favorite of mine. Um, But a group of us from church uh, used to put on these dinners called Wednesday dinners, and we invited people um, from our workplaces and our unis and all that sort of thing to come and just have dinner with us, and we just hung out with them. And a lady from our church brought one of her colleagues, and and this colleague of hers um, came along, and she was enjoying the dinners, and it was great, and we welcomed her, and we loved her and befriended her. And she came from a different background to us. Um, and she had a different spirituality to us. She would have what I would call sort of a new age spirituality um, that she you know, wanted to connect with the universe and different things like that. So she was, had a different kind of faith and spirituality to us. Um, but as we loved her and just had dinner with her week after week, uh, eventually someone was able to share the message of Jesus with her. And God just did, flicked a switch in her. Uh, she responded in faith 
And I remember the incredible joy that she had, not only from the welcome we'd given her, but the welcome she felt from Jesus and how she shared that with me uh, at one of the dinners. Uh, She was across the kitchen bench and she was sharing with me how she'd just become a Christian and tears were welling up in her eyes and she said that the night before that she was just crying for joy in her bed because she just had finally discovered the love that she had been looking for. She had finally felt and known who that love is, and it is a person, and his name is Jesus. And God did this through us just welcoming her and loving her and praying, and then eventually she came to faith in Jesus, and she experienced the same joy that we're meant to experience through Jesus. God's king came in an unexpected way and favors unexpected people. This is where the joy of Christmas comes from. Let's rejoice in what God has done for us and let's welcome others into this joy together this afternoon. Let me pray for us. Glory. Glory, glory to your name, Father. Lord, uh, we don't have an appropriate way to respond to all that you've done for us. We, We can't repay you for what you've done for us. You are just incredibly gracious, incredibly kind, and just better than we had ever imagined or could have made up. And we just thank you for the birth of your son, Jesus. His first advent, his first entrance into this world. Thank you that you came for us, Jesus. Thank you that you entered into our low condition, entered into our suffering, our pain, our sin, our sorrows, so that we could be set free, saved from our sins, saved from judgment. Lord, we thank you that you've made yourself known to us, that you've painted yourself into the picture, and we see you in Jesus. And we pray that we might see you ever more clearly this Christmas. We pray for our Christmas festival this afternoon, that more people might find life in you and be drawn to you and experience the joy that you offer, Lord Jesus. We love you. Help us to rejoice in you in this season. Help us to know afresh all that you've done and all that your incarnation means. And we ask this for your sake, in the name of your son, Jesus.